taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your hosts, Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo, as we step into the arena of ideas. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics while taking Christian truth into the arena of ideas. This is the Bellator Christie podcast, and this is yours truly. Now I can say Dr. Ryan Chilton and uh, Curtis Evelo. We're coming to you from Pilot Mountain, North Carolina, and Ronan, Montana. And uh, again, it is wonderful for you to be part of this uh, podcast with us. We want to welcome all of our live viewers uh, on YouTube, and we are also uh, live streaming on Facebook Live, having to do it a little bit different on Facebook Live, uh, having to use a little other technology there, so it may look a little different. But uh, if you are with us on Facebook Live, we want to encourage you to hop over to youtube.com forward slash Bellator Christie, and you can see both of us uh, there being live streamed on YouTube. By the way, we had a lot of views already last week. We've we probably doubled or tripled the normal amount of views we normally get on Facebook. And so, um, excuse me, Facebook, YouTube. And so, anyhow, um, go over and check us out on youtube.com forward slash Bellator Christie, and of course, you can always catch the Bellator Christie podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and really anywhere that podcasts are found. So, I'm from Pilot Mountain. We want to welcome the other half of the Bellator Christie podcast, the man himself from Montana, that is Curtis Evelo. Hey there, folks. Well, we... uh we got one of the craziest text messages. I know. I know this seems a little weird to to maybe some maybe maybe most of our listeners, but up here this is kind of commonplace um, on a regular basis. But let me just recite this text from from the uh, the school district. It says here, a bear has recently been spotted near the grade school. Be vigilant with students walking to or from school or playing nearby or in playground. Game wardens are working on the situation. So <laughs> things are still real here in the Wild West. <laughs> you know, I met someone, Curtis, just the other day that was, uh, that had, uh, they were from the Air Force and were stationed in, I think, North Dakota or somewhere. Oh, yeah. And they were talking about bear and moose. Do you have moose over in Montana? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, my buddy of mine, just about a, a mile down the road, um, had a had a uh, cow moose walk right through his field, right, right on the other side of his porch. Um, yeah, I know she was tell, talking about how uh, she was late for work one time, and she called her boss and said, "Hey, there's a moose in the front yard," and her boss says, "Hey, don't worry about it. You come in late." Don't go out there while there's a moose. And I told her, I said, I will never again look at Rocky and Bullwinkle the same way. Yep. Yep. <laughs> they are. They are some. Uh, they are some very uh, protective and aggressive uh, mamas. Um, and and when the bulls are in rut, they uh, get pretty gnarly too. Um, years ago, when we were uh, ATV riding up on uh, some logging roads, some trails. Um, we come across a, uh, a a calf, a moose calf, walking down the road, and kind of startled it, and uh, it it kind of ran a little bit. 
but uh, um, we were ahead of it, or we were behind it, and then we were actually ahead of the mama when she dropped down onto the road, and it was like, okay, it's it's time to get serious, and we just dropped the hammer and took off, <laughs> got past everything, got the heck out of there. Well, it's good to see we've got some viewers I know on uh, on Facebook, and I know we have some on YouTube as well. Again, if you're with us on Facebook, we welcome you, but uh, we also want to let you know that you can catch both of us. Uh, you can see both of us on YouTube.com forward slash uh, Bellator Christie. So we've got a great podcast on tap for you today, uh, the third episode of Season 6. We're talking about the personality and personhood of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to tackle the topic today. Is the Spirit a person, or is the Spirit some type of impersonal force? That's what we're going to discuss on the podcast today. So, Curtis, we're going to turn it over to you, my friend. Well, before we get started on that, Brian, I do want to I do want to remind our listeners. Um, I want to take a minute here and just remind our listeners that that we as a ministry feel led to focus on the things pertaining to Jesus, pertaining to the gospel, pertaining to biblical truth, biblical uh, worldview, those kind of things, um, and and teach and walk through with people. We're not necessarily a political ministry. We we tend oh, to we 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 want to stay in our lane and we feel that this is the this is where God has led us to is to stay in our lane here because not only do we serve people in the United States, but we also serve people around the world by being able to give this information out. And it would be it would be really um uh selective for us to st- to focus in on things that are um, pertaining to that. And I just wanted to mention that because I know we're coming into, in America, we're coming into a midterm election and there's a lot of swirling things going around. And and uh, we just want to make sure that everybody's aware we, we do, um, we are political in our own personal lives. We are political in some of our own things and, and those kind of things. But we truly believe that it is our ministry calling from God to focus on the things of Christ and explaining these things to people. So that's why we're in a series right now, um, series uh, season six, and we're in episode three, um, the personality. By the way, let me say one quick thing to that, to that yep. point there, Curtis. Uh, it was last week, a week before, we actually had – uh, something that's that's never happened before. Normally, uh, the views we have on bellatorchristie.com are dominated by the United States. But the past few weeks, we've actually had other nations that's led the way. That's One crazy. week, we had the Philippines that had the most views. Uh, we had the most views from the Philippines. And then another week, we had, uh, or one day of the other week, Nigeria. Uh, there was an explosion in I mean. Nigeria. We yeah. had a lot of people in Africa yeah. that were viewing some of the articles and podcasts that we that we had produced. It's amazing to see how God is really truly uh, using this ministry to reach the globe. Yeah, and and that's we need to focus in on what we what we run in, and and there's many of other many other podcasts and many other ministries that are focused in on that, and and they do a great job with it. And that doesn't mean that I'm that you or I, Brian, are are discounting them or anything. It's just our lane. What we felt called to do is to stay right here, 
focused in on this stuff. This is this is where your Absolutely. your your knowledge, your wisdom um, comes into play is through this lane right here. So that's where we're going to stay. Or what little I have thereof. <laughs> so let's just jump in there, Brian. I'm going to start out with the first question here, and it says, "How does?" How does Orthodox Christianity differ from other worldviews or religions when considering the personal nature of the Holy Spirit? When we talk about Orthodox Christianity here, we're talking about what C.S. Lewis calls mere Christianity. We're talking about fundamental uh, Christianity based upon the classic understanding of of Jesus and, and the Christian faith. So there are many different movements that hold a different viewpoint of the Holy Spirit than does Orthodox Christianity. Uh, so, for, for instance, there are some movements like the Jehovah Witness movement that views the Holy Spirit as something more of a force and not really a person. Uh, so in some walks, uh, the Holy Spirit would be would be considered an it rather than a right. he. Uh, for that very reason. And you have other worldviews uh, that have more of a pantheistic uh, view of the world and God, such as some Eastern religions. Uh, they would hold that the presence of God is actually part of the universe. And some, some worldviews would, uh, would argue that the, the universe is just simply the, embo- the, the embodiment of God or the body of God. And so uh, there are some different viewpoints concerning the, the spirit, this moving presence of God. However, Christian theism maintains that the Holy Spirit of God moves in and through the universe while maintaining a distinct personal identity that is separate from the universe as we know it. The Spirit of God, therefore, and thereby, is a personal entity rather than an impersonal force. Right, right. And, and that's... I think what what if we were to break it down each and every each and every other religion holds the holy spirit or a spirit entity um at a different um you could say at a different value than Christianity. Christianity holds the holy spirit as the moving force that that is a personal being. Yeah. And now in some native religions, like uh, some Native American religions, they would talk about the great spirit. And so there may be some similarities to, to Christianity in that sense. But but here again, we, we understand that there's a distinction, one God, but there's three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So th- there are some distinctions even with that, yeah. even though there's some commonalities in other areas. Yeah. So how does how does Jesus's use of pronouns with the Greek term pneuma reveal the personhood of the Holy Spirit? Well, this is interesting, uh, and this is something I was reading through some theology books by Millard Erickson and some other theologians, and they were talking about Jesus's use of pronouns in in a way that I had never never seen. So, for instance, in John sixteen thirteen through fourteen. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you, not it, but he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own or on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you 
what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. So uh, it, it's interesting. Right. The language in biblical languages, just like you see in Spanish and uh, in some other languages in the world today, German is the same way. The terms have a gender. There are some masculine terms, some feminine terms, and some neutral terms, or neuter, as they're called. So the interesting thing is the term pneuma, which means spirit, is a neuter word, a neutral word. Uh, so so it, it doesn't have a masculine or a feminine. But some words, um, mm. but it's interesting when Jesus uses the uh, term pneuma, you would think that he would use something more along the lines of a neutral pronoun to refer to the spirit, but he doesn't. He actually uses a masculine pronoun, uh, inos, or, or excuse me, eginos, uh, when referring to the pneuma tes aletheus, uh, that is the spirit of truth. So the, the usage of the masculine pronoun actually shows that Jesus held that the spirit was a personal being and not an impersonal force. So the the use of a kainos, a probably masculine pronunciation of that, a kainos uh, along with a numas or the numates alatheas shows that uh, the personhood of the spirit showing that he believed the spirit of God, the spirit of truth was a person and not some type of force alone. It also shows in in that in those verses there brian um the order the order of how the holy spirit interacts with the trinity as as part of the triune nature because he says he will not glorify he will glorify me for he will not take what is mine or he will take what is mine and declare it to you so he he's he's uh he's he's in order um you know um I heard it once said that um, a service will be will be done in order um, as of the Holy Spirit interaction. So if somebody's preaching Jesus, the Holy Spirit will not come in and take away the glorification and actually glorify himself in that. We also have, well, we'll look at another passage of Scripture and a question we'll handle a little bit later, where Jesus actually does the same thing with the Father. Uh, in Jesus' ministry, he didn't glorify himself. Uh, he never really glorifies himself. He glorifies yeah, the Father, good. and he also yep. glorified the Spirit of the Father are coming from the Father, working through him, empowering him. And he says even things like, uh, you know, you can blaspheme me all you want. <laughs> you can even blaspheme the Father, but don't blaspheme the right. Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and that gets into a whole other right. uh, uh, barrel of monkeys there when we start talking about those issues. But, but yeah, the, <laughs> the, the Spirit of God uh, glorifies the Son, and that's part of his ministry uh, here on earth. Did you ever play that game, Barrel of Monkeys? Did you ever? It's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I used to play that with my son. I don't even know what we did with the game. We had it, we had it around here somewhere, but we've moved like twice, and so uh, there's a lot of things that got misplaced or displaced. So one thing I was... <laughs> Some maybe thrown away. <laughs> yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you, and 
is in 16 uh, verse 7. So in the same in the same chapter in John um, 16 verse 7, Jesus says, "Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you." What I find interesting there is is the is that numos or numo or numa in there or is it something different? This is a word that's a very good question, Curtis. The the word he uses for helper or counselor in sixteen seven of John is the word paraclete. Now it's not parakeet like the bird, but paraclete, which means a helper, one who comes alongside, the one who helps. Uh, and so in this case, it's uh, he's kind of serving as a counselor, and that's why the CSB translates it that way. So he uses the word paraclete there kind of as an adjective to describe or a title to describe what the Spirit's going to do. But if you go on down in the same passage in verse 13, he this is where he says, he talks about, well, let me go back to verse 7. I'm telling you the truth. It is your for, for your benefit that I go away because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. So somebody's coming to us when he when Jesus right. leaves. But who is it that leaves? Yeah. Well, you go on down to verse 12. He says, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. Verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, the pneumates alathias, uh, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. So the Spirit of God is the one he's referencing here. That is that paraclete, the, uh, the, the helper, the counselor, the one who comes alongside and assists us. He's referring to that one and same Holy Spirit. That's interesting because that's going to go segue right over into our next question. So which, which passages show the personal nature uh, of the Holy Spirit as the paraclete or the one who travels along with us? Let me just give a definition right quick of uh, paraclete. This is coming from the Laonida Dictionary. Uh, it says parakletos is a title for the Holy Spirit, one who helps by consoling, encouraging, or mediating on behalf of 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 someone or something, uh, the prince. Uh, and so it goes on. Talks about um, the uh, it, it it kind of is associated with the idea of a lawyer. Uh, it's kind of associated with one who really is is there with us in our time of need. It really literally means the one who helps, the one who comes alongside. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's important to understand, kind of have a working knowledge of what uh, paraclete or parakletos means. So when Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the paraclete, he actually mentions this in several different passages. In John fourteen twenty six, we read this, when the counselor, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I've told you. Again, to be able to teach someone something, it requires that being to have um, 
personhood. Yep. It, it requires a mind, will, and emotions right. to do that very thing. Right. It's it's uh you know electricity doesn't teach us anything because electricity just goes from negative charge to positive charge. That's right. what it does. Uh, we can learn about it by this operation, but it's not that electricity teaches us anything. We just observe. But that's not the same thing here. The Spirit is teaching us, reminding us. In John fifteen twenty six, Jesus says, When the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, will testify about me. So there's that testimonial nature of the Holy Spirit. John sixteen seven, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, the paraclete, the helper, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. John fourteen sixteen. here again, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor, paraclete, helpmate, to be with you forever. And, and John even writes, uh, the Apostle John in 1 John 2, 1 he says, my little children, I am writing to you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus right. Christ, the righteous one. That advocate is is talking about this parakletos, which is, in a sense, not only talking about the uh, advocacy of Jesus and his role at the right hand of the Father, but in a way, the Holy Spirit is our advocate, too, speaking on our behalf. So all of this together, we see... Uh, this language of um, of this uh, of this one who comes with us, who helps us, uh, and that would be the Holy Spirit of God. Right, and you know, in fourteen in fourteen twenty six, I use that section of of scripture to to reveal to people that he will bring to remembrance the things that we've done or read or whatever. So. To even if somebody's not understanding or fully grasping what they're reading in the Bible, read it. Just keep reading it. Take it in. Because the Spirit, as He's leading you through life and through things, and maybe even in conversations, thoughts that you have for yourself, prayers that you have for yourself or friends or family or what have you, the Spirit which is the helper, will bring to remembrance the things that you've already taken in, read, what have you, and apply that to what you need to understand. And that's very true. There may even be times, and I know it's happened with me, where I just simply read a passage of Scripture, and um, I didn't memorize it, didn't commit it to memory, but it's amazing how the Spirit will bring that back to our memory yeah. uh, in times when we really need it the most. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's amazing the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 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 And yeah, it's, it is truly amazing. It It's um, how many times do we try to do it on our own uh, natural mechanisms that we have developed over the years and we have to relearn how to function um, with the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's so true. And that's why I say, I'm, I'm not trying to be obtuse when I say it, but it, it's good to have strategies. It's good to have plans. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But at the same time, understand all the strategies of the world, in, or in the world, is they won't save a lost soul. Mm-hmm. It's the Spirit of God who brings them to salvation. It's the Spirit of God who brings these things to remembrance, 
it's like we've been going through on Wednesday nights a Bible study in the book of Daniel. And mm. we went through chapter 8. Yeah. And in chapter 8, it talks about the Antichrist. And it talks about how the war against him is a spiritual war. Well, it's the same thing with church today. Our problem, I think, in so many places is the fact that we're not tapping into the Holy Spirit. We're not really seeking to have the Holy Spirit (laughs) to really guide us and direct us as we should. Uh, We won't be preaching now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Go, boy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, seriously. If you go, if you yeah. go look back at the Great Awakening, the revivals right. in the past, right. there was a spiritual revolution that took place. Well, and it was all bathed. It was all bathed. Every single, every single revival that has happened in in all of history has been bathed in prayer and seeking yes. God prior to the 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 out the outpouring of the holy spirit or the outpouring of a revival absolutely yeah so how does the spirit's glorification of the son indicate the spirit's personhood we have two passages of scripture and curtis i want to ask you if you'll read these to us uh or for us john 16 14 is the first one okay so john 16 14 and we've already kind of read this, but I'm just going to say this again. It says, "I'm in," and I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Just that's what I had right here in front of me. Uh, it says, "He will glorify me, for he will he will ta- he will take of what I what is mine and declare it to you." So it, let me read that again. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So the Spirit of God is taking the message of Jesus and is glorifying the, the Son uh, through through the work of, of uh, through His work, and He's taking what Jesus has taught us. He's taking what Jesus has told us, and He declares that over to us. Uh, again, that takes a mind, will, and emotions to do that very thing. Now let's take a look at how Jesus does the same thing in John 17 verse 4. This is part of the high priestly prayer that Jesus prays. Yeah. And this is this is powerful because he's not only talking about um through this whole high priestly prayer, he's not only talking about the disciples, he's also talking about those that are affected by his disciples which that in turn down the line is us. This very podcast mm-hmm. is because of yeah. this high priestly prayer. Amen. It says, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me, you have given me to do. So here again, Jesus is praying to the Father just as the Spirit glorifies the Son and reminds us of what the Son has done. Jesus glorified the Father by completing the work that the Father had give, had given him to do on earth. So the, the, the Son is glorifying the Father. The Spirit is glorifying essentially the Father and Son. But here right. we see spe- specifically that he's glorifying the Son. So here again, it shows the personality, the personhood, 
And really, quite frankly, I think you can even say the humility uh, uh, in Jesus's earthly ministry. He didn't glorify himself. He glorified the Father. The Spirit, even though the Spirit is God, he's not glorifying himself. He's glorifying the Father and Son through the process. And so uh, here again, you can really truly see the the personality, the personhood of the Spirit of God in these passages of Scripture. Yeah, that's powerful. So how... How is the Spirit's personhood shown in his relationship with the Trinity? Wow, there's a connection made in various passages of Scripture. That's why I I really am a strong Trinitarian uh, for that reason, because I really believe that we have good, solid evidence of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit through the pages of the New Testament. So, uh, Curtis, I'll take one. I'll have you read the other one, if you will, my friend. First of all is the Baptist, uh, baptistry or baptistic formula. Uh, baptistry formula is just commonly called. First, you go to the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. Jesus, uh, in the Great Commission, says, Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, evangelism, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, that's discipleship, and remember that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And he's truly with us, not only uh, being our advocate, but through the Holy Spirit of God that he sent on our behalf. Yeah, yeah. And then in, in 2 Corinthians uh, thirteen verse thir- or chapter 13, verse 14, very end of 2 Corinthians, this is Paul's, Final final greeting, basically, um, he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. See, isn't it amazing there? You see the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son, right. the love of God, the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. All three working in unison is amazing. Yeah. And then, then we not only see the baptistry formula, but we see that Jude, uh, the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus, tells us about praying in the Holy Spirit. And that's Jude verses 20. Uh, you can see the whole passage, 20, 20 through 25, but we'll read just verses 20 and 21. It says, but you, dear friends, as you build up yourselves in your most holy faith, Praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. We're waiting with great anticipation for that time that Jesus will return. But as we do so, we find that we're praying in the Holy Spirit, uh, praying in Jesus' name, praying in the Holy Spirit. So there again, you see that connection of the Holy Spirit with Jesus and then, of course, the Father. There again, you see praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God the Father, and then waiting for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then we also take a look at the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, Curtis, will you read First uh, Peter 1 and 2 for us? Yeah, this is the opening of, uh, of the first letter of Peter. And Peter goes on to write, or Peter says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion of Pontus, Galatia, Galatia, uh, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, uh, according to the foreknowledge. Yeah, the uh, one with the mouthful. <laughs> yeah, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ for the sprinkling with His blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Oof, boy, the the word sprinkling right there. Um, 
we just got done with the Jewish calendar on the Jewish calendar of Yom Kippur. Yom um, Kippur, yeah. Yeah, the 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 um it would be considered the sprinkling of the blood or or the uh judgment um of it and and so being covered by the blood that's that's the reference that Peter's getting to is the sprinkling of the blood the atoning work of Jesus's blood on our lives. Oofta. Absolutely, that's a big oofta there. There again, you see though, uh, you're looking at this connection, mm-hmm. and as you eloquently said, you see the the sprinkling with the blood of Jesus Christ, but you also see the according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, and also through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, He's working in us and through us to make us more into the image of Christ. It's a lifelong process. That's why I tell everybody that I should have a construction sign on my forehead saying God at work. Because uh, I think that's what he's doing in our lives. He's sanctifying us. He's making us into the image of Christ. And there again, you see that connection uh, between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in First Peter 1 and 2. We also take a look at a passage where we see that the Spirit is received in Acts chapter 2, verses 33 and 38. Uh, verse 32 and 33, God has raised this Jesus. Uh, we are witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God, has received the, uh, from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. There again, you see the triune nature of God. You see the right hand of God. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. Uh, and you see the, the, the giving forth of the Holy Spirit that is to be received by the child of God. Acts 2.38, Peter replies, uh, most likely early sermon summary here, dating very early uh, to the time. I mean, just like the New Testament creeds, these sermon summaries are very early. Uh, if you want to check out more on that, be sure to take a look at the works of Max Wilcox and many others. Peter says, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. So there again, you see the connection between Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the reception of the Holy Spirit. So there again, amazingly, we see in various passages of Scripture this connection between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and the personhood of the Spirit in the triune Godhead. Yeah. And last week, we kind of talked about um, there were people saying that the Holy Spirit wasn't um, involved or in the Old Testament. Um, you remember, we t- kind of talked about that, how how kind of that's kind of viewed a little bit um, as not a functioning thing that's in there. But but I want to kind of show just while we're on this, how personal this is in Acts 28 verses 23. I won't read the whole thing through 31. But it says, it says in there, um, so when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging. This is when Paul was in prison and was about to, um, about to be no longer. Um, <laughs> um, explained to them solemnly that testified of the king kingdom of God persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets for from morning till evening. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken uh, and some disbelieved. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul 
uh, departed after Paul had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, and this is a quote, go to this, go to this people and say, hearing you will hear it and shall not understand, and seeing you, you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears have heard the hearing, and their eyes have they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. So yeah, there you see the, the uh, Holy Spirit was even involved in the Old Testament times, right. uh, persuading and wooing and and uh, leading people to uh, to hear the prophecies That's good. given. And, I, and I've been told that uh, even though the vast majority of people didn't listen to some of these prophets, there, there is evidence to suggest that at least a small group of people did. And you know, you think about it. Um, that God was willing to to give this message of warning to a people, even though most of them would be callous and most of them wouldn't hear. Still, you see the spirit moving in the lives of even just even if it's just a few right. uh, to give this message of warning. Right, and in the Old Testament, you see um, not a overall. Uh, encompassing or a guiding of the Holy Spirit throughout all believers or all people, but actually certain people at certain times were actually given the gift of the Holy Spirit, as in, like we talked last week, Samson, Samuel, yeah. those kind of things along the way. Yeah. And, and I think the key the key thing to remember, to keep in mind there, in, in my opinion, is that that while the Spirit came upon people at certain points, you know, Christ hadn't come by that time, the right. atonement hadn't occurred so they may have had spurts and bouts where a person may have been anointed for That's a period right. of time but they really didn't have that indwelling nature of the That's holy right. spirit abiding in their lives yep. and in fact from my understanding uh i don't think that necessarily even came until the day of pentecost mm-hmm. hmm. amazing or when john the baptist baptized jesus and the dove came and dwelt on him yeah and there were certain people who were anointed, and the amazing thing that the prophecy showed that in Isaiah 61 and other passages of Scripture that uh, Jesus would be unlike other prophets, other people, that he would have that abiding, indwelling Holy Spirit upon him right. that other people didn't have. And he shares that with us by sending that paraclete, uh, that one who comes alongside us, that spirit of truth who lives and abides us in it within us. we got the very spirit of God. You're living in us. Oof, the God. same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that hovered over the waters at creation lives and abides within us because of our reception of Jesus and the work that he did for us. Good stuff. And that's about enough to make even a Baptist. Shout. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Baptists start shouting. It's going to happen. I'm telling you, one of these days, we're going to get ourselves a, a Holy Spirit Pentecostal Baptist <laughs> Oh, what a fun time. So, does the Holy Spirit possess a personality? Yeah, and here in this passage of Scripture in Acts 15, 28, we're looking at whether the Spirit can make decisions 
Uh, does he does he possess a will? Does he is he able to do that? And so we see in Acts fifteen twenty eight and twenty nine it says, "For it was the Spirit, Holy Spirit's decision and 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 ours." not to place further burdens on you beyond these requirements. And then goes talking about abstaining from food, sacrifice to idols, and things of that nature. But the key thing here there is to look at, it was the Spirit's decision that were following the leadership of the Holy Spirit when they made this edict, uh, this, uh, this this decree. I think that's part of the uh, Jerusalem meeting that they had um, uh, the, in what was it, AD 48, 49, somewhere along that period of time. Right. So this is part of that uh, edict that they gave to the churches uh, from, from the leaders of the church, but it was the Holy Spirit's decision. Um, and that should be all of our goal is to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit um, in, in what we, in what we do for the Lord. But uh, anyhow, that's that we see that very personal aspect of the spirit making decisions. Yep. Yeah. So does the Holy Spirit hold, uh, you know, your, I guess, soulless traits, you know, um, a mind, a will, uh, emotions, intelligence? So you know, ta- kind of yeah, when we talk about a sentient being, when we talk about a soulish person, we're talking about a person who has those very traits, holds those very traits, a mind, a will, okay. emotions. And so... There's several passages of scripture we can look at. We, we've quoted this one many times over, but as far as intelligence and knowledge, Curtis, reread for us once again John fourteen twenty six. Okay. So I'm gonna have to read out of the ESV because that's just what I had right in my hands here. Um, so any problems you got over there? Yes, I got three right here in front of me, so I can be bouncing back and forth. Because I like I like reading out of the paper Bible, you know, it's just part of me. You know what I'm saying? Normally I do, but for for the podcast purposes, it's just easier to read from from Logos. Mm. So in uh, oh man, I've got the wrong one there. Um, <laughs> give me just a second here, folks, Mister Big Thumbs. I can't figure that out. I guess so in fourteen twenty six. Says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things I've said to you. So this requires having intelligence, this requires having knowledge. Yeah. The, the counselor, the helper, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you. That means he has to have intelligence, wisdom, and knowledge to be able to communicate. Uh, and and give over information that was given to him. He's teaching you all things and reminding you, re- bringing to your remembrance the things that Jesus taught. Mm-hmm. So here again, as far as intelligence and knowledge, we know that the Spirit has that from Jesus' teaching in uh, John fourteen twenty six. Now we also take a look at a mind and will. Uh, we've already mentioned the fact that he has a will. Uh, he can make decisions. He gives decrees. He gives instructions. First Corinthians twelve eleven says that one and the same Spirit is active, moving, is active in all these, distributing to each person as he wills. He's talking about spiritual gifts, which, by the way, uh, we're going to talk about that very thing coming up next week on episode four, talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
uh, and we're going to get more into the involvement of the Spirit in our lives as we mm-hmm. go into next week's session. So, but it's concerning the mind and will. It's the one and same Spirit who distributes to each person as He chooses. So, He gives each of us spiritual yeah. gifts as He deems appropriate for each person. Right. And then we also see Ephesians four thirty. We see that He has emotions. And so, Curtis, how about reading that for us, if you will? So. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Yeah, grieving the Holy Spirit. The Spirit can be grieved. The Spirit can be resisted. Now, we're going to get into soteriology. We're going to talk about the different viewpoints of salvation and how people view different things. But in my mind... As a missionary Baptist, free will Baptist, uh, I see plenty of evidence throughout the Old and New Testament both where people have, do, and will resist the Holy Spirit of God. And here again, you see in Ephesians 4.30, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. There's another passage that says don't quench the Holy Spirit. And it may be using the same terminology here. I think the terminology is like putting a wet blanket over a fire. Yeah. You know, our what we as Christians should desire is to have the flames of the Holy Spirit burning in our soul, taking control, guiding us, directing us. But the problem is, I think so many times, if we allow the Spirit of God to be in control, that means that we're not in control. Right. And we like being in control, don't we? So that's part of the problem. But if we're living an immoral life, if we're living in ways that are opposed to the will of God, then if we resist the Holy Spirit, we don't listen and abide, to the, abide in the Holy Spirit, we're grieving him, this very same spirit by whom right. we are sealed for the very day of redemption. Hmm. You're going to get me preaching again, Curtis. I know. Here we are. Yeah. So so then how does the personhood of the Holy Spirit play into our interactions with him? Okay, so we see here again some ways that the spirit can be impacted uh in in the ministry in our own lives and in the ministry of the church. We just mentioned uh, Ephesians 4:30 don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So we see, just as we mentioned a while ago, he can be grieved. And it makes me wonder in my heart of heart, Curtis, if the reason we're not seeing revivals as we once were, yep. if it comes down to the fact that we're grieving the Holy Spirit of God. When we have so much depravity happening in the modern church, we have people raping people who are supposed to be church leaders. We have people abusing power in church ministries. We have other things going on. We, we do, uh, giving up biblical truths and principles. Uh, we are grieving the Holy Spirit of God. Yeah. And so anyhow, he can be grieved and he also can be blasphemed. And we, how about reading, uh, Matthew 12, 31 for us? Yeah. So Matthew 12, 31. It says, therefore, I tell you, every sin, and this is Jesus speaking, by the way, says, uh, therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. Let's put that in context as we try to understand the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. 
So the Pharisees, so what happened? Jesus had cast out a demon from this man. And um, the Pharisees, this was actually a verse I I covered in my dissertation. Um, The Pharisees said, well, we admit the fact that you that you exercised this demon out of this guy, but it was by the power of Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies, the the Prince of Demons, that you did yeah. this. And Jesus says, "Listen, you can say what you want about me, you can say what you want about the Father, but when you start saying the work of the Spirit in the ministry and life of Jesus to bring about salvation is of the devil, you are blaspheming the Holy Spirit." Now, so what is that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? I believe the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is a rejection of the Spirit's work in the salvific ministry of Jesus. Yeah. Unto death. Now, as long as we have breath, the Lord gives us an opportunity to respond to that gospel call, respond to that gospel message. Mm-hmm. But with, by refusing to acknowledge the divine nature, the, the 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 salvific nature found in Jesus, the the salvific nature of the Spirit's movement in Christ's life, we are essentially committing uh, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, every single sin will be forgiven except for the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and that's a rejection of God's salvific ministry. In other words, a, a resistance against the salvation that God has offered us in and through Christ. You know, all the way along, Jesus had been talking about or, or dealing with the Pharisees and their hardened heart. See, they they revered they they would they would go fisticuffs over somebody uh you could say blaspheming the name of Yahweh or considering himself God but when Jesus was talking about um the holy spirit or or acting within the works of what Jesus was doing and and attributing it with you know with the holy spirit's actions they deemed him as uh, demon possessed mhm absolutely yeah. So, um, one thing I was gonna oh, say. Well, one thing I was gonna say in there, Brian, is the Holy Spirit also personhood. Um, he can be lied to. Remember last week in Acts five. I'll read it real quick. Acts five three. It says here, and this is Peter. Uh, Peter said to Ananias. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself a part of the proceeds of the land? And so if 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 the Holy Spirit wasn't a actual person or a functioning being, how can you lie to him? You can't lie exactly. to a brick, lie to a, a a rock. You're lying to a person. You're lying to a person. And and that brings up the, the last couple of verses. And by the way, folks, I mentioned to you the wrong the wrong podcast. Coming week after next, we're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're going to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. I got a little ahead of myself. I just noticed that on a note I had for myself here. Uh, next week, the work of the Holy Spirit. Then week after that, uh, we'll talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But one last thing to mention here is that the Spirit can be resisted. And, and the, the Scripture tells us this on numerous occasions, not just in one place. John 540, Jesus says, but you were not willing to come to me so that you may have life. They weren't willing to come to him. They weren't willing to respond 
to the Holy Spirit of God moving in their lives. Acts 7.51 also it stated uh, that you, this will bless your heart. They said, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised <laughs> hearts and ears. Something tells me he's not going to be getting a Christmas present that year. So you, <laughs> yeah. as you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are always resisting the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. as your ancestors did. You do also. So there again, we see uh, that the Spirit of God can be resisted. He can be blasphemed. He can be lied to. He can be grieved. He has a mind, will, and emotions. He has intelligence and knowledge. All of these are traits of a person, of a of, a, of an individual, and such is the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Yeah, and then you had that also listed on there in Revelation. Did <laughs> Oh, yeah, Revelation 2 and 3. Uh, yeah, chapters 2 and 3, and uh, there's where he's talking about uh, the uh, the, the letters written to the seven churches of Asia Minor. Right. And yep. in so many times, in so many cases, they were resisting uh, the Holy Spirit of God. And so uh, Jesus has John writing these letters to these seven churches uh, to to rekindle that love that they had uh, for the Lord in and through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Well, I hope that I hope this kind of helped maybe uh, settle and gave some direction to people, to the folks listening. Um, and if and if there's questions, send them in to bellatorchristi.com and and we'll be glad to go through these with you guys. And um, it, it's important that we understand that it's that it's not just a. Um, out there being it's actually something that we can actually call in dwell among and and we're even we're even told that that to read the scriptures we must first we should first pray and say holy spirit open my eyes to what you're saying in this and bring to remembrance the things that i already have and the things that i may not understand store them away so that later on you can bring them back up for me as i function through the day so absolutely, and, and Curtis, let me say before we wrap things up, we've yeah. had probably one of the biggest audiences we've had on Facebook Live thus far. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to check uh, YouTube, but uh, we want to thank everybody for joining us. Not only yes. uh, for the recorded podcast on these different apps, but do tune in Thursday nights, eight p.m. Eastern time, right. uh, six p.m. Mountain time uh, on Facebook Live and uh, YouTube. Uh, again, youtube.com forward slash Bellator Christie is where you yep. can find the uh, live feed from Zoom if you'd like to see both of us uh, due to technological problems. We're having to do Facebook Live with just one screen. And for those folks on Facebook Live, they have to just look at my ugly mug and bless we their will, hearts for hanging in there. We will figure it out. So at least it splits it up between two of the ugliest fellas you ever seen. So. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we here at Bellator Christi want to thank you for spending time together with us, and we value that time. Our prayers that this podcast helps stretch your mind and becomes a place to strengthen your faith as we strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and as a reliable source of information. Join us next time on the Bellator Christi podcast, and until next time, Brian and I say, Soldier on, friends. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast with Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo. 
This podcast is an exclusive production of Bellator Christi Ministries and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The views expressed on this podcast may not reflect the opinions of Bellator Christi Ministries and its affiliates. We thank you for listening and hope you'll consider leaving a positive review. To see more from Bellator Christi Ministries, go to bellatorchristi.com. Hello, everyone. This is now Dr. Brian Chilton with the Bellator Christie Podcast. I want to let you know that in addition to hearing this podcast on the app from which you're listening, you can also catch the live stream of the Bellator Christie Podcast every Thursday night at 8 p.m. To catch that live show, go to our YouTube account at youtube.com forward slash Bellator Christie. We hope that while you're there, you'll consider subscribing to our channel and letting other people know about our YouTube account. We plan to, in the future, add uh, future videos uh, in addition to the podcast and other features that we hope to incorporate as part of this ongoing and growing online ministry. So again, we hope you'll continue listening to the podcast on this app, but we also hope that you'll catch the live show at youtube.com forward slash Bellator Christie.